Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. And a big thanks to Kusha's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way commercial free. In business over 16 years here in Tallahassee, tabbed best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine four straight years, Tommy, and six out of the last seven. And I got to set the record straight here. So I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans, outkicked my coverage as many of us did. It's not about temperature. Is that where you're going? It, it is, because I think there's a, a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot, and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time, because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans, at Kusha's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same. And uh, they're open seven days a week. Have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. Matter of fact, Kusha's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season. They break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Kusha's. They are on Thomasville Road on the west side just past Cary Force. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good morning. Welcome to Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Tom Block, Keith Jones. Unfortunately, it is not a Seminole Sunday after what happened last evening in Atlanta. We will be here for the next hour to uh, break it down. Uh, This one doesn't require a lot of expert analysis, in my opinion, KJ. I think you can really just look and say special teams was a disappointment, and we'll talk offense, defense, and everything else, but that's the starting point. I think, too, that uh, as time has passed, uh, for me, the last few hours, (laughs) probably for the team and for Jimbo the next couple of days, uh, you'll look at it and you'll go from anger. I I was angry at the end of the ballgame because this is a Florida State team that's talented enough to not have lost by 17 points, uh, even though they were playing the number one team in the country. Uh, So I was angry. Uh, They were self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, Now I think it moves to disappointment, uh, an opportunity squandered, if you will, on, on a national stage to perform well. And they simply did not. Uh, The good thing uh, about all of it, and we'll talk more as we progress, is that uh, the mistakes that were made were correctable uh, and are correctable and have to be corrected, and that you were doing that against the number one team in the country, and in the fourth quarter you were just two scores down, uh, despite uh, having unloaded your revolver in your own foot uh, (laughs) a couple of times. So uh, there are a lot of good takeaways, but, uh, but it started at anger, and now it's at disappointment. Of course, the big, uh, the, the, the insult to the, to the injury or injury to the insult as it is, is DeAndre Francois, who goes down at a point in the game where really victory was out of reach, barring something completely miraculous. And while we don't know the long-term prognosis, it doesn't look good. I mean, based on how, the fact that he was carted off based on the mood of the team and I think it's safe to say uh, and again we'll see that he'll get his testing done today but I think Florida State needs to be prepared to not have DeAndre for a while. Uh, we've been doing this you and I for 35 years plus or minus just the way that injury looked uh, the body language immediately afterward of DeAndre 
simply speaks to something that uh, you know could very conceivably be um, season-ending, and you hate to say that. Uh, I regret the the fact that I even think that, but uh, that's something you've got to keep in your back of mind. Obviously, they won't know until the uh, MRI and the examinations are done, uh, and you get a better feel for it. But uh, uh, it was uh, uh, for those that would question about uh, the hit. It was certainly a legal hit. Nothing nothing in the world wrong with how he was tackled. Uh, Jimbo said uh, in his press conference after the game that uh, he should not have been in that position. He should have gone backside with a pass, and it might, might never have occurred, but it did. Uh, he played a well of a ball game, and I thought overall the offensive line did a reasonably good job of protecting him. Uh, did not do well in the running game. We'll talk about that, but uh, I think overall the, the protection was good offensively in the passing attack. It's just a, it's just one of those unfortunate things. That's part of sport, or as Jimbo likes to say, part of ball, and uh, Florida State will have to live with the consequences. Jimbo also said after the game that uh, if DeAndre is out for uh, any period of time, that uh, at this point, James Blackman would be the, the quarterback, and I guess he'll, well, not that, that Blackman played enough that there's tape to examine there, but they'll reevaluate that decision after they've slept on it and decide, do we want to go with a true freshman, do we want to go another direction? But, I, you know, Blackman, and I noticed this before the game last night, when the team took uh, warm-ups, I watched the quarterback specifically, and Blackman was throwing second immediately after Francois. The order was Francois, Blackman, Cosentino, and then Hockman. We had heard from the various people we've talked to of course, the media uh, had been uh, barred from practice for four or five days going into the ball game, and and that ended up being a little bit of a, of a uh, controversy. But uh, if folks will remember, Jimbo did the very same thing uh, against Ole Miss last time. Uh, it just it was the game was on a Monday, so when he shut down practice, it was different than when he shut it down this week. Uh, and by all accounts that we had heard, and Jimbo even had said that Blackman had a very very good camp. Uh, that he, he he would put himself in a position to be number two, uh, and it doesn't surprise me that uh, he would inherit that reign uh, if or, or, or you know uh, DeAndre can't go. It'll be interesting to see how Jimbo calls plays uh, because uh, you know he is a true freshman, and uh, you know he will have had no snaps going into his first game, obviously, and uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic. Obviously, it'll be against an opponent that you would be favored to win against. But uh, a true freshman in the era, in the Jimbo era uh, is going to be an interesting watch as Let, well. Yeah, let's save that in our in our final segment. We'll we'll do the look ahead uh, and and before we talk more about that. And again, we're we don't know what the future holds for DeAndre at this point. But uh, what we do know is Florida State was handled last night by Alabama. And uh, rather than us convey what uh, Jimbo said, let's listen in to some of his postgame comments. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Jimbo Fisher after Florida State's 24-7 defeat to Alabama. I say a special thanks to the uh, Georgia Dome and the Chick-fil-A Bowl. This was an outstanding event. Uh, again, everything they do is run with first class and always have been. Every year I've ever dealt with them, they have put on tremendous events and tremendous venues and hospitality and everything else has been out of this world. They've, they've done a great job. Uh, say special thanks to Alabama. I mean, they, they did a great job. They deserved to win the football game. They made the plays. They got the momentum changed in the second half with some special teams plays and uh, and got got it going and did a great job. I mean, it was a hard-fought game. It was a very physical game on both sides. Our defense did a really nice job. Uh, and keeping us in the ball game, trying to give us some chances. And I think we pressed on offense, had, didn't get good field position, made some mistakes on defense. But again, Nick's a great coach, and they got a great program, man. They did a great job. He's very well deserving, and uh, you know they'll have a great year. And uh, we just need to rebound, and get back, fix the fix the things that we had wrong, 
and go. I still think we had a great football team. I think we're very physical. I think we're very good. Uh, got to clean some things up. Now make those momentum swings. When you play great people, you can't have those. And uh, we'll look at that and then uh, um, look at the film, make the adjustments, and move on. Again, our kids uh, kids are disappointed but in, uh, in the result. But at the end, they got to keep processing. we got to coach better. And the things that go on, that's our, our, our job. That's our job as coaches and my job to, to fix that and get them in better position to, to make plays and do the right things over and over. But all right. All right. Questions? Thank you, Coach. Raise your hands. Okay, we'll go right here. Coach, what did you see on that play when DeAndre rolled out and fell down? I don't, he just like got tackled. I believe it was a side adjust. We should have thrown the slant on the backside, but I'll wait and see. But again, until I look at the film exactly where the declaration was, should have hot routed it and got it out. I don't. I have no. I don't know what until we diagnose it and see. I, I, I'm not a. I don't mean that. I don't know. And I'll, I've learned to wait till they till they see. Unfortunately, he's hurt though. I mean. No, they did a great job second half. We gave up a couple plays in the first half. They cost one time on the safety rotation. They got a guy in the middle of the field, made a great play. Uh, but other than that, our defense did a really nice job. We knew our defense was it was stalwart. We had a chance to be a really good team. And uh, they kept us in the ball game. If we could just because a couple times Alabama had a chance to put it away, and we kept them to a two-score game at 21-7. That's only two plays away. You're one or two drives. And we just couldn't make the plays. Their defense did a great job, and we just didn't make the plays on our side of the ball to get us back in. But our, you know, we on offense, we moved the ball very well the first half and the first drive of the second half. We felt very, you know, we felt good at halftime about the way the game went. You know, disappointed in where we were, but felt in what we were doing and how we were doing it. And, you know, we just lost the momentum. The big thing was the momentum swings and the special teams in the second half. And when you get momentum, I always talk about that all the time. Momentum's the thing. We don't, it's hard to swing, especially when you play good people. Jimbo, did you see DeAndre, uh, did you talk to him after the game? What was the- no, I, I just, again, I saw him and I hugged him and told him I'm sorry he's hurt. We'll get the diagnosis and I love him and we'll, we'll figure out what, what we got to do from here. Okay, what, next question. All right, right here. Coach, special teams are always such an important mm-hmm. thing that you do out there. Um, were you surprised by the breakdowns? Very much because we work, ex- I mean, exclusively. We do over 30, 35, 40 minutes a day on special teams. We work it hard. And we had a breakdown on the edge, and they got through on a, PAT, uh, a field goal at the end of the half, which is a big, another big momentum swing. And then they got the block punt. The guy just slid inside our guy. I mean, we knew who to block, what he did, and he just slid inside it, looking from what I understand. And I'll look at the film and, and got the block. And uh, that was critical. And then, you know, poor Key, he's played a great game, and he just made a bad decision. He thought he was out farther, wasn't as close to the goal line, and should just let the ball go. Just made a poor decision and uh, tried to get it out, and then actually fumbled. So those are big critical plays in, in the game. Over here on the left side. Jimbo, how concerned are you if DeAndre is out for a while? I, I can't know what he said. How, how concerned are you if DeAndre is out for a while? Oh, I'm definitely concerned. I mean, because that's your starting quarterback and, and the kind of player he is and what he has. But we'll get the guys behind him and we'll rep those guys and play and we'll go on again. We'll have great people around him and, and do the things we got to do. Coach, how pleased were you with how the offensive line played tonight against the well, I thought they did a nice – we moved the ball very well the first half. Had a good mix. And second half, the first couple drives, then we did – once we lost the momentum and got one-dimensional, allowed them to blitz and tee off and come at us and, and make plays. And But, again, I'll evaluate the film. I'm not – I thought they did some really nice things in the day because we had some good plays and some things that went really well. And, uh, again, we'll look. And when you play good people like that, you got to be perfect. And uh, But I, I didn't think they were poor at all. I thought they had a pretty solid job. And we'll look at the reasons why the other breakdowns of what happened. Two about the under can go with James. As right now, we will, most likely. That's where we will, but we'll evaluate this week and see. All right, time for just a couple more quick ones. Where are we going next? All right, right here. Coach, I want to know what stuck out to you most about the new stadium and if you've ever met Arthur Blank. Uh, I don't know if I've ever met Arthur or not. 
It's a beautiful stadium. I'm so I'm worried about those hundred yards down there. I wasn't really looking up and, <laughs> and seeing it. I joke about that, but I I get zoned in. But it is like a beautiful complex. I mean, great for fans, great atmosphere, great environment. I mean, you had all the boards. You can see, you know, the replays and all the things. Looks like it's a very fan friendly. It's a beautiful place, and everything in the locker room and everything here is first class, just like Chick Fil A does everything. So Arthur's obviously doing it the right way too. Obviously disappointed. You know, Jimbo is a process guy, just like Nick Saban is, and I can tell you that at halftime. Even following the the blocked field goal, he felt pretty good. I mean, his message to the team was, guys, we're, we're right where we need to be. We're in this game. We get the ball to start the second half. And, and obviously, the second half is where the wheels fell off the wagon. Uh, I think the 24-7 final score is a little misleading, KJ, in that, uh, well, I mean, the score is what it is. But Florida State, when you look at the total yardage, was right there with Alabama. The defense, which we'll talk about, played terrific. But ultimately, too many costly miscues against a very good team, and you just can't get out from underneath that. If you removed the scoreboard and just looked at the stats, uh, what you would say is that uh, Florida State moved the ball well throwing. Um, Alabama grinded it out. Uh, the plays, I think, were equal at 60 apiece. Uh, certainly, Alabama faithful would say we should have had another at least six points uh, on missed field goals. Uh, Florida State with faithful would say you got eight points off of turnovers, and really it was 13 and maybe as many as 16 because of the way field position was. So uh, that scoreboard is all that matters. We, we can justify and try to... Uh, Characterize in a way that makes us feel better uh, with some of the other stats, but certainly it was a ball game that Florida State was in, and until the self-inflicted wounds started in that third quarter, uh, was a, was a nip and tuck ball game. We'll talk offense in our second segment and defense in the third. Right now, we've got a minute or two, KJ. Special teams has just not been good for the last couple of years. Not to the level it should be for Florida State, a program that, you know, back in your day made its living blocking kicks and in the early 80s with Joe Wessel and all that. And there's been so many great return men. But you, you look at what FSU has done the last few years, and they just haven't been very good on special teams, and they need to be better. And last night was a microcosm. I mean, it, it was bad decisions on kick returns. It was a blocked punt. It was a blocked field goal. Don't forget the extra point was a low line drive that barely made it. Don't forget that Gavin not only fumbled in the second half, but he brought one out in the first half that he shouldn't have and got all the way to the 10. Then you had Matthew Thomas uh, hitting somebody that uh, had made a fair catch. Lots of trouble. You know, Tommy, I, I, you hate making blanketed statements, but I think uh, it's at the point now where Jimbo has got to address special teams uh, schematically in the big picture because you're right they have not been good for several years now and almost all phases have not been good uh, logan didn't punt well uh, there was poor decisions on bringing the ball out on kickoffs uh, the, the the protection as as we've talked about was bad i mean all phases mcfadden didn't look comfortable catching punts did not all phases were bad uh, there needs to be an overhaul there and Jimbo can say that he was happy with the way things were in fall camp. And he could say, and I think he did, that he was surprised at how poorly special teams... Well, there's no surprise anymore. Your special teams are not good. You had better give some attention to it or they're going to come back and bite you on down the road. And that's been demonstrated. 
All right, uh, we will get to offense next segment. Do want to welcome Kush's Bayou Rouge to the program and uh, thank them for their support this football season. In business for over 16 years, they've been uh, voted best of Tallahassee time and again. Uh, if you haven't been there, give them a try. Everything's made from scratch. There's healthy choices on the menu, family-friendly place. Uh, and uh, and I know this firsthand since I married somebody from New Orleans, but Cajun doesn't necessarily mean hot. It means flavorful, so uh, don't be intimidated there. Uh, they're open seven days a week for lunch and dinner and Wednesday through Sunday. Sunday for breakfast and during football season, they are uh, the official caterer for the, the coaching staff and crew, and uh, that's what they'll be eating tonight as they break down tape from this uh, Alabama game. All right, that said, we'll step aside, come back, and talk some more about Alabama's victory over Florida State on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. We will uh, do this each and every Sunday throughout the football season. So today in the next uh, 13 weeks, and it'll air at uh, 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. here on 97.9. And if you're not aware, we do our uh, regular show year-round, 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. All right, back to the business at hand from last night. Let's talk, let's talk offense here. And we already mentioned that uh, we, we don't know what the verdict will be for DeAndre Francois, but it doesn't look good. So I don't know how much time we need to spend assessing his play, but certainly the first half, Jimbo threw on neutral downs, you know, through to stay ahead of the chains, and Florida State had success, and the receivers looked very promising last night. We were concerned about the receivers because there was so limited experience there, uh, and all during camp, uh, Coach Dalsey had said, Jimbo had said that the, the receivers had continued to improve and work. We knew we had some bigger body kids, uh, kids that were 6'3 and, and, and above versus the, the shorter, shiftier type of kids, uh, and we saw that out of Tate and, and, and Gavin. Uh, I, I was impressed with the way the receivers played and the way DeAndre threw the ball. I think he was, at one point he was 9 for 13. I don't know if that's the exact number at halftime, uh, but uh, he had, he had uh, found the receivers, had made some good decisions. Florida State had moved the ball and, and had scored, and you felt good about those young, that young group and, and what they were able to do. They made some tough catches. Uh, DeAndre made some tough throws. Uh, and through the first two quarters, I was impressed with the passing game offensively. So fast forward to the second half, and the passing game was not the same. But two things happened to me in the second half. In the third quarter, Florida State had no field position at all. So that limits what you're going to call. And then in the fourth quarter, Alabama has a couple score lead, and so they know you're going to throw, and that makes you look pedestrian at best. And, uh, I mean, the tape is what it is, but I think that's a plausible explanation to why the second half uh, looked that way. I think also Florida State was not able to really develop much in the running game uh, in the first half. They had success in the passing game, but Jacquez Patrick, uh, he, he didn't look as good as we thought he might look. Uh, I thought er, uh, Akers coming in gave a little bit of a different um, look from a quickness and a speed standpoint. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, Jimbo finds some ways to get Akers in the ball game earlier and get him a few more touches. Uh, I thought that uh, it, the, the lack of the running game really hurt Florida State when there were a couple of times uh, when they could have taken a little bit of ball control, could have kept the ball away from Alabama a little bit. But you're exactly right. When the wheels came off in the third quarter uh, and in the poor field position in, in the latter part of the third quarter, 
quarter and all of the fourth quarter, you know, you had to abandon the running game. So Alabama knew what you were doing. Uh, They're very good at rushing the passer. Although, as I said, I thought the offensive line would grade out and you would say they performed well in the passing game. But you can't play the number one team in the country and be one-dimensional. They're going to find ways uh, either through scheme or talent uh, to make you pay. Uh, And that's exactly what Alabama did with those uh, two forced uh, turnovers, those two interceptions by, uh, by DeAndre. The one thing, the one other thing I thought I saw, even when it was still a 10-7 or 13-7 game, it felt like offensively there was a little bit of pressing going on. And maybe I'm speaking to DeAndre's two interceptions, which were forced, uh, or maybe I'm lumping this into offense because Gavin tried to make something out of a couple kick returns that he didn't need to. He's an offensive player. Those weren't offensive plays. Uh, And Jimbo referenced it a little bit too. I mean, you you can't chase plays or chase yards. You just got to play the next play and not try to do more than that. It felt like a little bit of that happened. There were a couple of throws that DeAndre had that if you go back and look at them on tape, I had the benefit of watching the big screen the big replay uh, during the ball game. Uh, DeAndre threw the ball a half a count early because he felt pressure. And as a result, the ball was where it was needed to go, but it came out early. If he could have held it another half a count and gotten the ball three or four more yards one way or the other, uh, they would have been spectacular plays if the receiver had made the catch. So I don't know. uh, We can classify that as pressing, uh, and and I'll, I'll accept that, or we can classify it as getting pressured, and unlike last year when DeAndre held the ball too long, this year he is getting the ball out. Uh, It just happened to be he was going against uh, the defense of the number one team in the country, and they were executing well and forcing him into that early decision. All right, we'll uh, talk more about the offense, but uh, let's hear from one of the starters out there, guy who's uh, about as vocal a leader as there is on the offense, and that's center Alec Eberle. Uh, and I had a chance to, to chat with him briefly after last night's defeat. Here's Alec Eberle. Um, I think definitely we came off, anybody can notice, we came off the first half, we came off fast and came off hard. You know, I think last year we struggled with starting the game fast, and I think this year we definitely did. You know, We came out there, everyone had a great mindset. We came out there ready to drive the ball, ready to you know, pass the ball, run the ball, whatever it took to, you know, to, to get the ball on the field. And you know, I think tonight, if you're watching the game, you would go noticed that you know as an offense and the defense but we've really grown up a lot you know there were still some stupid mistakes here and there but at the same time you have to look at the same you need to look at the positives of the game like this you know we really pushed ourselves. Everybody really went hard. Everybody knew what they were doing. Everybody was, you know, doing their job for the most part. No one really got out there and got beat. You know, there was just times where people just were in the wrong place at the wrong time, which um, that's just something we had to grow out of. And I think that, you know, it's, we're just going to get better and better as this year goes on. It did feel a little bit like, even though it was 10-7 at halftime, particularly early in the third quarter when the field really got lopsided in terms of some special teams mistakes, uh, that, that maybe guys were trying to just do a little too much, whether it was on a kick return whether it was forcing the throw. Did you did you sense that? Well, I feel like anytime that you start with the ball, you know, deep in your own territory or you're catching it deep in your own territory, naturally you're going to get the feeling of, okay, I need to make something happen. I need to get this ball going. I need to get my team in a better position, which, you know, that's another one of those things where we just kind of grow up in a sense of, you know what, just do your job. Coach Tricker looked at us when we were on the sitting on the side on four went in the third quarter. He said, look, there's nothing special, nothing to do. Literally just do your job and everything will fall into place and everything will happen. So I think that we just gotta grow into that, you know, that mentality and just it doesn't take one special play. All it takes is everybody to do the job the right way and things fall into place. Final thought from you. Obviously your leader went down late in the game and we don't know as we talk what the prognosis will be for that. But what did you say to DeAndre? How are his spirits right now? 
Um, DeAndre, you know, no matter what, he's going to be positive in any situation. He's there for the team. He's not mad at anybody. All he do is looking forward to what he has to do next to get back healthy. Whatever it takes to do, he's going to do it. And whatever he needs us to do is off the line, as the offense of the team, we're going to do it for him because, like you said, he is our leader on this team. He's our quarterback. And, you know, we're going to rally around him, be, where, be, what he, be what he needs us to be. You know, and I think that no matter what, he's going to have a positive outlook on this and he's going <coughs> to do what he has to do and he's going to be fine. Obviously, everybody uh, in the locker room last night, and especially as I was conducting that interview with Alec, had concern for DeAndre. We don't know what what the uh, the ultimate uh, prognosis will be for him, but 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 again, restating what I mentioned the first, it, do, it doesn't look too good. And so Everly and, and his troops uh, and they they feel like they're to blame on that. But to me, that's kind of that's ball. That's that's just what it is. Exactly. And, and as I mentioned, repeating myself, from the passing game, I thought the offensive line led by Everly did a very good job of protecting Francois. Uh, they would be the first to admit, and they'll go back and look at the tape, that they didn't do as good a job in, in run blocking and, and, and schematically in the run game. Uh, but they've got a week to get that corrected. You've got an opponent coming up that you'll be favored against, uh, that you'll have an opportunity if you have to go with a new quarterback uh, to give some time and, and hope that uh, and help him by utilizing that running game to, to take some of the pressure off uh, the new starter if that in fact is what needs to happen uh, so it kind of sets up well uh, but again you're disappointed that you had this opportunity on a national stage and you really didn't execute as well as you wanted to I would I would tell you the offense probably had, was a C plus uh, maybe a B minus uh, they did just enough uh, they certainly weren't spectacular but other things going on in the ball game uh, forced Jimbo from a play calling standpoint and as you referenced maybe just maybe forced some of the offensive players to press a little bit trying to make something happen as that clock was winding down in the third and fourth quarter well let's let's go back to the second quarter here and and, and or in the first half and, and point out something Florida State had to burn two timeouts early on which could have come in handy in that final one minute drive as they were trying to score and then and I'm not one that likes to go pin things on the refs but but it very easily could have been called pass interference, the play before the blocked field goal when Nooney was in the end zone and and the DB didn't have his head around, not that you have to, but he hit Nooney uh, before the ball was arriving by a split second. Overall, you would have to say that the the officials did a pretty good job. I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not necessarily one to always always criticize um, what the boys and, and the men in, in the stripes shirts do, uh, because generally speaking, those those calls or no calls don't lose or win you a ball game. But I think it was very evident and very clear that that in fact was pass interference and and was a very key no call. Don't know if Florida State would have ended up with seven points. Don't know if they would have been successful kicking the field goal if if they'd been a few yards closer in. Uh, in terms of not getting it blocked, uh, but certainly it was a key change, a key occurrence in the ball game, one way or the other, and it went against Florida State in that particular case. Yeah, and as a result, the Knolls were down 10-7 instead of potentially being uh, tied on a shorter field goal or even up 14-10 to at that point. All right, we'll talk defense, and there is a lot to be excited about on the defensive side of the ball. You're a former FSU defender. I know you're excited about what you saw last night. We'll do that when we continue on Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. 
Derwin James was back last night, and uh, he looked like he didn't miss a beat as we uh, welcome you back here to Front Row Knoll Seminole Sunday. It wasn't all Derwin, though. There was there was a lot to be pleased with uh, almost across the board uh, as we turn our focus to the defense. KJ, I'll let you uh, kind of offer an opening, state, opening statement. Derwin played well. Uh, the rest of the defense played well. Uh, FSU played defensively well enough to win. Uh, so you got to be pr- uh, cr- proud of that effort. Uh, held Alabama under 300 yards of total offense. Uh, Derwin, in particular, uh, showed uh, very little of any signs of rust. Uh, they used him, obviously, in the safety position. They walked him up. Uh, he was at uh, the middle linebacker position in some of the Dime Rabbit uh, sets. Uh, he got pressure on the quarterback, was credited with half a sack. Uh, I thought he had a key deflection. Had a key deflection. I thought he played uh, up to par, recognizing, and you know, you know, being a defensive guy that Nick Saban had worked with his offensive staff as well as uh, Jalen Hurts to make sure they identified where number three was. And certainly there were times that they stayed away from him uh, in their offensive uh, game planning. Uh, But uh, Derwin wasn't the only one out there making good plays, and I was proud of the defense. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, uh, I think it was around 270 total yards for Alabama. And, uh, you know, what, 80 yards of those, maybe 90, came on two plays. The first play from scrimmage, where whether that was jitters or whatever, but uh, Naughty could have had a stop for about a one-yard gain. They missed it. It ends up springing for 33 or so. And then the, the touchdown, where the freshman Stanford Samuels the third gets beat, looked like uh, maybe he thought there was safety help, which clearly wasn't there, and, and I don't know the answer to that. I, I haven't gone back and looked specifically at tape, and certainly I haven't talked to uh, uh, Coach Kelly about it, but Jimbo referenced in, in one of his postgame comments that there was a safety breakdown there. Uh, but obviously, just looking at it, you would look at the freshman and Samuels. He's trailing four or five yards behind. You would assume he uh, was the quote-unquote culprit. Uh, don't know. We'll let them address that in, in the week ahead. Uh, but Again, you take away those two plays, Alabama's offense is somewhere around certainly less than 200 yards. And, and again, the 24 points are not indicative of how well the defense played. Uh, you had two turnovers that gave the ball to Alabama inside the 10-yard line, uh, and one of them they came away with three, and one of them they came away with, with a touchdown. Uh, and then you played the entire second half on, on their side of the field. Your back was up against the right. wall the entire time. And uh, I, I they performed as, as, as good as I maybe expected them to, uh, and, and they didn't surprise me, uh, good or bad. I thought they'd be good, and they were good, and uh, def- defense was not a reason that, that Florida State was not victorious last I, night. I thought Matthew Thomas played pretty well for a guy that just showed back up eligible you, on Wednesday. Let me tell you, I, I'll eat my words, because I, I said on our show Wednesday night, and I made comments when I was asked, that there's just no way. He practiced the first week and a half of, of fall camp. Well, the first five days of fall camp are in shorts. Right. You know, you don't even have pants on, so to speak. Uh, and then, for whatever the reason is, uh, he was not at practice for two, two and a half weeks. Uh, I felt like he could come in and contribute. Uh, you, well, you were my savior. You would you would caution me and say, well, maybe every third series or something like that. He could spell somebody for a little while. But he ended up leading the team in tackles, had ten stops in the ball game. Uh, did have that one, uh, we'll call it a boneheaded play. I don't know. The, the, the fair catch signal was not a good signal. Right that the Alabama receiver gave. But he did give the fair catch signal, and, and, and Matthew didn't see it and, and nailed him when he turned his back to him. That, that, that's, you know, that's a boneheaded play. You can't do it. 
but it sometimes happens. But I will tell you, I was uh, impressed and surprised uh, by how much time uh, and how effective six was on the field defensively. Let's go back to three because uh, I had a chance to talk to him last night as well. And uh, I, this is not a surprise. Florida State fans are familiar with Derwin. College football fans are. Certainly he's gotten plenty of pub. But uh, Derwin is a leader. You see it before the game, halftime. After the game, he was going around the locker room telling people to keep their heads up. There's a lot of football left. Uh, this was my brief conversation with Derwin James after last night's Florida State loss. I feel like it was a very emotional emotional game. You know, it was two, two great programs. You know, we knew coming in. You know, we had our hands full, but it was just hats off to Alabama. You know, very physical, tough team. And, you know, like I said, they push it to the edge. We got a little stuff. We was in the game. It was just a little stuff we got to clean up. But like I say, they're just one of them teams. You can't make that many mistakes against them. But like I say, um, Alabama's a great team, a great program. They're saving and doing got a great, great team over there. How did it feel for you to be back out there? Oh, I felt great. At first, you know, um, I kind of started off a little slow. Um, but, you know, my teammates was behind me. My coaches was behind me. They was like, just keep believing in. You know, I, I haven't played in a year, so it was just, you know, just getting the speed of the game. And, you know, like I say, against Alabama, you know, you can't make, make any mistakes. So it, it, as the game went on, you know, I, I felt like as a team, we kind of settled down as a defense. So it was good. You mentioned the mistakes. A lot of that was on special teams. But from a defensive standpoint, uh, you held Alabama to about 270 yards, less than 100 yards passing. I mean, there was a series in the second quarter there. I think you forced three yes, three and outs in a row. So, yeah. I mean, all told, it, yeah. I know you have to look at the tape. Yeah. felt like the defense did a pretty respectable job. Yeah, the defense did great, but, you know, it's not just about defense, man. It's three – like the football, this is why, what makes football great, you know. It's three phases of this game, you know, special teams, offense, and defense. And just, we don't care about the results of just what defense did. You know, we're a team. And uh, we're a family, so if we all lose, if just because defense did good, even though we lose, everybody lose. So it was just one of those things we got to just clean up special teams and, you know, show up Sunday or well, Monday, Monday ready to practice and, you know, put this loss behind us. We got 11 more games and, you know, it's a long season. This is just the first game. This is a preseason game. You know, just tell us where we at. And, I, and, I, and I'm very um, excited about this season and this team. You know, I, gotta, I know we got a lot of guys that are fight, fight for each other. And like I said, like you said, it's just the special teams and the little stuff. So we'll be all right. You know, the uh, it looked like the, the result was already in hand, and then DeAndre goes down. And, yeah. it, you know, we don't know what that is, but it looks pretty serious at this point. I mean, yeah. you ended up missing uh, everything but a game and a half last year. Have you had a chance to talk to him? And when you do, what will you tell him? Yeah, I'm going to talk to him on the plan. I'm just going to, you know, it, it hurt my heart to see him go down, you know, at such a key, key point in the game, you know, late in the game, you know. But it, it's just one of those things. That's why you, for the love of the game, you know, it's injuries and you know, it's things that just happen. So I just, I just pray, you know, it's nothing too serious. Our minds was, you know, and I, I just pray we can just get him back out there because, like I say, he's a leader of this team and, you know, he's one of the guys we depend on. So. And obviously, as I mentioned in that interview, Keith, if there's anybody that uh, could relate to what it's like to have to watch from the sideline and be out because you're injured, if that's what happens with Francois, uh, it would be Derwin James. We talked in our pregame show. Uh, it's been talked about for the last 11 months, however long it's been since Derwin was injured, that in terms of the physical rehab, he did everything that was expected of him. But more importantly, uh, he delved and dove into the coaching and the and the behind the why we do things mentality. You spent time with Coach Kelly, uh, spent time during the games uh, either down on the field or up in the box last year, uh, truly becoming another coach on the field, even though he's still young, redshirt sophomore. And uh, the kids respect him. They look up to him. He is a by nature a leader. Uh, he has become a better leader because of his performance. 
Uh, and uh, just like maybe Francois will have to do if his injury proves to be significant, when you're away from the game, when you have something taken away from you that you love, there's a tendency to feel sorry for yourself and to crawl into your hole, become that armadillo, curl up and protect yourself. Derwin didn't do any of those things. If he did, he didn't do it very long. He got back out there and started looking at a different aspect of the game that he had never seen. That being standing on the sidelines, watching the coaches coach, looking at game plans being put together and why you do what you do, and then embracing that and incorporating that back into the time when you get back on the field. And it's made him a much, much better ball player. Yeah, it was good to certainly uh, nice to have him back. He was cramping pretty bad last night, by the way. They had to stretch him out for a while, but uh, obviously he was out there and will continue to be a big factor for FSU. Uh, I feel like we shouldn't pat them on the back for this, Keith, but given if you think back a year ago that it was an issue, uh, the effort was great from start to finish last night, 1 through 11 for the guys that were out there. Particularly, particularly in the defensive front. Uh, Freddie Jones, I thought, had a very nice ball game. Uh, Naughty and Christmas uh, played up to the expectations there. Uh, Pugh was all over the field. Sweat had a, had a sack. Uh, you saw Brian Burns, the freshman from last year, sophomore this year. I mean, it was a very active bunch. Uh, Trey Marshall got back in there, had to serve the first half of the suspension going back to the targeting call in the Orange Bowl game against Michigan. No, I don't fault the effort at all. No, no effort concern, in my opinion, against the defense. They had some bust. They had a couple of times when they were out of position. A couple of times that Alabama could have taken advantage of them being out of position. Fortunate that that didn't happen. But again, overall, if you if you want to give the offense a C plus, a B minus, you got to give your defense a you know a good solid B or even a B plus and how they played. And again repeating ourselves, holding uh, Alabama to under 300 yards of total offense. Less than 100 yards passing. Less than 100 yards passing. And though they did run, uh, what, 160, 170 yards uh, on the ground, uh, it was 42, 44 attempts to get there. And uh, with the exception of that first play from scrimmage, nothing over 10 or 12 yards that I recall. Well, I think the average yards per play for was like 4.2 for FSU and 4.4 or 5 for Alabama. Both defenses play. And you, I don't think you couldn't have walked away from last night's game and felt like Alabama just dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball because that was not the case. No, especially with Florida State's ability to get pressured defensively because um, uh, again, Naughty, Christmas, those guys up the middle, they just, they played well. They played well and it's uh, they're going to be disappointed when they go back and look at the tape, things they will congrat, but they'll understand that they were able to hold their own against an offensive line and a running attack of the number one team of the country and, and they performed well. If you're looking for something today to make you feel a little bit better about last night's game, I, I'll encourage you to head over to Kusha's Bayou Rouge. They'll have the football games uh, on TV. They're open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Located uh, on Thomasville Road, just past Cary Forest. They're coming soon to College Town, too, by the way. That'll open later this fall. But uh, they've got a family-friendly menu. Obviously, uh, Cajun food at its finest, but it's not all Cajun. Uh, you can you can go off the Cajun side of the ledger, get uh, plenty of stuff. that uh, You can get some adult beverages, too, if that makes you feel better as well. That's Kush's Bayou Rouge. And uh, by the way, that, that might be in order <laughs> later on this afternoon, uh, yeah. on a Sunday afternoon, when you uh, reflect back on the events of Saturday night. All right. Uh, we will look ahead uh, because the future, well, we're, we're taking a, a potentially a big left or right turn here as we go into there, week two. There's a fork in the road. And we're going to have to take it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday continues after this. 
Front Row Knowles. Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. This is Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday, and uh, I'll remind you once more that uh, we do this each and every Sunday during the football season. It will air 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. each Sunday, and uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, uh, it will be there via podcast as well. But before we look ahead, Keith, uh, one more chance to look back uh, as we talk about our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game last night. And uh, really, this we just talked about the defense. It's got to go to the defense. Uh, the offense played good for a half, not good in the second half. Special teams was a disaster. Defense was pretty fundamentally sound and solid throughout. You held the number one team in the country to under 300 yards of total offense. As we mentioned last segment, under 100 yards of passing offense. The scoreboard says 24. You probably gave up 16, maybe 13. Uh, you can win some ball games doing that. So you're exactly right. Our prime rating performance of the game goes to our defense. And uh, the prime rating performance of the game is brought to you by Prime Meridian Bank. You can visit them at either of their two Tallahassee locations, Capital Circle Northeast or Timberlane Road, or their newest location down in Crawfordville. From checking accounts to personal or business loans, including residential mortgage loans, call Prime Meridian Bank at 907 2301, or you can visit them online at trymybank.com. All right, so we look ahead. We have a 7 o'clock home game this week, the first of three straight home games. It'll be Louisiana Monroe. And again, uh, restating what uh, has been a theme throughout and will be a theme, uh, well, until we hear an official announcement one way or the other from Florida State, uh, it would appear that uh, even if the, the it's it's not a season-ending injury, that DeAndre Francois is going to be out at least for a little while. And again, they'll do those tests today. So James Blackman went in as the, the backup quarterback last night. I mentioned uh, earlier in the program that he was the number two quarterback when they warmed up. He is a true freshman, and he was not an early enrollee. So you're talking about a guy that his, his knowledge of Florida State football started a around August 1st or whenever the first day of practice was and uh, potentially he's going to be the starter on Saturday against Louisiana Monroe. Two things. Number one, he's potentially going to be the starter against Louisiana Monroe as a true freshman. Uh, (laughs) Number two, uh, it's going to really be interesting if he does play, if he does start, to see how Jimbo uh, amends or changes his play calling because DeAndre Francois has the full repertoire of plays. You've got to believe that even though Black may have been exposed to them, uh, that Jimbo is going to have to dial some things back uh, for the freshman. I'll also remind you, if you care to, about history. And uh, you and I talk all the time about six degrees of separation and how, at least in Tallahassee, it's about two and a half or three. Uh, Let's also remember that Florida State played Alabama in 2007 and defeated Alabama in uh, Nick Saban's first uh, year as the head coach at Alabama, Jimbo Fisher's first year as the offensive coordinator. And who did Alabama lose to in that 2007 season in one Nick Saban's first year as a head coach? Xavier Lee. Well, the team that they lost to during oh, that year Louisiana was Monroe. Louisiana Monroe, right. the Warhawks. Right. So um, hopefully we're not sitting here next Sunday talking about Florida State being at 0-2. In that, uh, it's a game that the, the Knowles will be heavily favored. It's a game that uh, you can lick your wounds a little bit and, and maybe put some salve on those open wounds that remain from the defeat in Atlanta. Uh, you'll be favored, as I've mentioned, uh, but it'll be an opportunity to learn, particularly 
particularly if you're having to play a first-time starter at the quarterback position. Let me just add uh, a little bit about James Blackman, who, uh, you know, sort of his fall camp went on and practice is not open, but you begin to hear murmurs that he really had had uh, a good camp. This is a guy who had uh, opened eyes at the Jimbo Fisher summer camp during his high school years, got offered, uh, was not offered by all the creme de la creme schools, but did have scholarship offers to Louisville and Florida. He's from Bell Glade and uh, really has a, a strong arm. Now, he's thin. They list him at, at 180. Uh, That's with rocks in his pockets. If he's 180, I'm 280. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute, Tommy. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not there yet, Keith. <laughs> uh, but it, here's what I was going to say. So last night before the game in the locker room, uh, I heard, you know, this is before Coach Fisher talks, Various players are, you know, you're getting psyched up and focused for the game. And I heard a voice that I didn't recognize because I hadn't heard it previously. And I was wondering, who is that? And I looked, and it was Blackman. Now, I mean, this is a true freshman, and everybody's different. DeAndre's a quiet guy. My point to this is that Blackman is not a quiet guy. He's a rah-rah guy, so he's vocal. And the last quarterback that I remember being that way at Florida State just happened to be. Jameis Winston, who was, who was standing beside you, yeah, who was in the room last night. Now, uh, I'm not suggesting that Blackman is Winston; he's not. But Jameis, even in the year he redshirted in 2012, was as vocal and as much of a leader on the sideline, even though he had no chance to play as anybody FSU had. Uh, and Blackman was was fully engaged in the game last night and in the locker room beforehand. Before, obviously, DeAndre went down with injury. Let me tell you something I see uh, that I've not discussed with Jimbo. Uh, Blackman was signed to Florida State because of his performances at not just one, but several of the Jimbo camps, right. sophomore, junior, senior year. Uh, Blackman, by most accounts, was graded as a three-star prospect, not a four or a five. But Jimbo, Randy, the rest of the offensive staff saw things in Blackman because he was physically in Tallahassee at camp showing that big arm, but more importantly, talking with him, getting to know him, uh, giving him plays to run during the camp, see how quickly he picks up on him, throwing things at him at seven-on-seven drills about different protections, not not the protection of setting it defensively, but how the defense was, was changing coverages and that type of thing. And they saw, did the Florida State staff, enough in him to, to say he's a three-star, but we're going to sign him. Because we see upside and we see potential. Uh, And remember one thing about Jimbo. He can evaluate talent. He's as good as anybody I've ever seen at looking at 13 and 14 and 15-year-olds and and projecting their body type and what it's going to look like, projecting their their football IQ and their acumen and how that's going to improve. And it's a great testament to Blackman that as only by others judged as a three-star, he was signed by Florida State and depending on the outcome of uh, DeAndre's injury, might have be in a position to start just the second game he's ever dressed for at Florida State. Let's talk about the running backs real quick because you mentioned earlier Patrick didn't now this is against Alabama's defense but he uh, you know we've been used to seeing Dalvin Cook who uh, among many other gifts could get from 0 to 80 about like that. That's not Patrick. He needs a few steps to get to, to that speed. Uh, not that he could ever get to Dalvin's speed and he didn't have that opportunity last night. So uh, how do you see the running backs being managed as we go forward? Well, first of all, I I, I don't know that I would say I take offense that or, or disagree with your comment. He didn't look good 
I mean, he just didn't look right. I don't know what that means. Was he intimidated or hesitant because he was going up against uh, uh, the number one team in the country and a defensive line that last year uh, gave up only 63 yards a game? There was just something off, either mentally, physically, uh, or something. He did not look like I had been told he had been running in practice and in the scrimmages. Conversely, Akers looked as good as we remember seeing him in the spring game. And we had been told that he maybe didn't have as great a fall camp. So who knows? Point being, I think Jimbo will be very quick to go to Akers, and we didn't see Rasul at all. We didn't see Vickers that I recalled. I mean, we, yeah. we didn't see Ryan Green. You know, they this could be and should be an opportunity to get some touches to some of the younger kids. But let's go back to the first point. Patrick is your stated starter. I'd like to see him up at least appear to be performing better or have a chance to perform better uh, this next time out than, than what I saw with the naked eye against Alabama. I'm going to leave you with this, Keith. I was thinking about this, and there's a lot of football season left. Obviously, this is one game. Do you recall the last time Florida State lost 24-7 in September? 24-7 in September. No, I would tell you I remember 31 nothing in September uh, against Miami, but I do not remember first game loss 24-7. It was not the first game. It was the second game, but it was 1998, Chris Winkie's second start. He threw six interceptions. Right, NC State. And Florida State lost 24-7 at NC State. And at that point, you would have never – said that Florida State is going to play for a national title that year. And that was in 98? That was in 98. Now, they didn't win the national title that year. Because Winky got hurt. Winky got hurt, but they played for it. And uh, so the point being, I'm not predicting that this means that Florida State's in the college football playoff. I am suggesting this is a good football team that just lost to a really good football team. And even if they don't have their starting quarterback, still has a chance to be a pretty doggone football team this year. Well, we're what? Three years, four years into the playoff system. Gosh, it's all running together. I should know that, but I can't <laughs> concretely tell you. But we're in the playoff system era, uh, era. And one of the things we've learned is if you will play a quality opponent early in the season, that early loss will not jeopardize your chances to be in the playoff nearly as badly as the late loss will. So you're exactly right. From a scheduling standpoint, from a uh, ability to bounce back standpoint, Florida State uh, unfortunately lost, but is still positioned well to, to potentially uh, maybe even get all the way back to Atlanta uh, about the second week in January. We'll keep our fingers crossed. We will know much more by Wednesday when we talk to you again with our regular edition of Front Row Knowles. Uh, folks, uh, I wish you the happiest Sunday you can have. In happy, light of, happy Labor Day. In light of current circumstances, and we'll talk, you to, talk to you Wednesday. So long for now.